I'm Jason Ariola. And I'm Dominic Chavis, and this is Rock Out With Your Card Out. Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 3. Jeez, oh, this is oh boy, hell of a hell of a thing to try to get out every time here. <laughs> anyway, uh, quick wrap-up here. Uh, the composers for this are, of course, credited as Falcom Sound Team JDK. Uh, the two composers that worked on this were Hayato Sonoda and Takahiro Unisuga. Um, you know, I won't give too much of their backstory on this one again. Um, they both been with Falcom for quite a while. Um... Sonoda started in 98, and it looks like, let's see, Unisuga started in about 2005. So there, there you go. There's your there's your quick rundown. If you want a more detailed rundown, um, hopefully you listen to episode one or part one of this, because I don't know why you would jump in on the third disc of the soundtrack. That'd be a little <laughs> weird thing, right? <laughs> that wouldn't be right. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be just like skipping out something entirely. So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to the first track here, and that is going to be Blue Ocean City Ortis. <laughs> Thank you. 
and that was Blue Ocean City Ortis. And I like this one just because it's got this nice laid-back feel to it. The flute taking the lead for this is a nice choice, with the rest of the instrumentation complementing it rather well. There's a peaceful feel to it, but there's also a twinge of sadness to it, particularly when that violin solo com comes in about halfway through. Right before the loop, the instrumentation gets really minimal, seeming to kind of double down on that sad feeling. The loop kicks back in and brings the mood back up a little bit, but ultimately I feel like I started feeling one way when this track started and finished on an entirely different emotion by the time it ended. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting that same vibe out of this track. I want to say I didn't expect such an emotional turn, but really, I did. In the end, I liked the way it turned out. The intro is very calming and truly does bring satisfaction to my mind. At two minutes and two seconds, the track switches the fill up a little, causing those emotions to really kick in. Although I find the entire track to be calm and happy, the ending brings invisible tears to my eyes. <laughs> sort of like tears <laughs> of joy, I guess. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's weird that it starts off one way and then makes you feel another. And then when it, when you, if you loop it again and listen to it a second time, it really changes the way you feel about the track as a whole, like listening to it, because it's led you on this emotional trip throughout it. And then that kind of like happy kind of feel, you're, it sort of loses it the second go around, which is odd. Yeah, it is pretty odd. I guess it's a good way of manipulating emotions in a way. It's like, oh, yeah, everything's good, and then maybe not so much. And then, yeah, it sounds like everything's good, but maybe still not so much. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting design. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to one of my favorite bits on this soundtrack, and that is Proud Grudge. <laughs> And that was Proud Grudge. 
The guitar really hammers this one in your ears. The percussion really glues things together. Meanwhile, the piano in the background adds just a little bit of flavor to it. This is one of those ones that made to my playlist I use when I go running nearly right away. It's got a good pace to it and helps keeping me feel pumped up when I start feeling winded after running a few miles. So I want to say this right away. I'm completely satisfied with this mix. I'd go as far as saying this mix is perfect. Every instrument has been set correctly, and in other words, nothing sounds out of place. As far as the composition goes, I'd say the real hook is the rhythm here. I like the leads, but I think the instruments in the background are truly holding the track together, and I'm enjoying the slight repetitiveness here. Leads don't really stray off the path they were sent on, but I think the composers had that choice to let the lead take this track to a completely different place, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the beauty of it all, though. This particular track could be adjusted in many different ways to alter the outcome. It's good stuff. Yeah, this is one of those ones that's, I guess, like surface level listening, kind of like what I was going for through the most part. Um, It's real just like catchy, gets you feeling pumped up. But there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to this track that once you start like really kind of pulling it apart, it's like, God, there's there's a lot going on in this damn thing. And it just blended together so Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, it's completely stacked. And that's why I love it. It's great. Yeah, yeah. You can really pick at it. Absolutely. This is one of those tracks that you can pull apart and it holds up to that level of scrutiny. But just like I said, surface level listening to it, it's still just like, oh, this is catchy as shit. I can listen to this all day. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And that's a real skill that Falcom's got. Um, Like I said, the the group of composers they have in their stable is just, man, they know what the hell they're doing sometimes. (laughs) Best of the best, I'd say. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to Between the Cliffs.
and that was Between the Cliffs. And this is one that always kind of makes me think of E7 for some reason. I think it gives me a bit of that vibe in a forest for some reason, so that might have something to do with it. I know E7 doesn't really take place largely in a forest, uh, E's memory of Celsetta is more of that, but a few of the tracks that play in the forest areas of E7 have a real similar sound and use similar instrumentation. So I'm sure that has something to do with it, especially considering you know we dedicated two full episodes to E7, and I listened to that soundtrack like ad nauseum for a good year probably, so I'm sure that got put in my head somewhere. This thing really starts off like haunting, making good use of natural instrumentation to start, and the electronic stuff kicks in about 30 seconds in, and then adds a little bit more intensity. Everything from the first section is still there while that's going on, save for the pan flute, letting the natural and electronic stuff flow back and forth very smoothly. I think we even get a little harpsichord thrown in for good measure, and again, I don't think anyone but Falcom sound team has ever made me say, damn, that harpsichord is a great touch to any song. <laughs> Well, we both know they have a way with certain instruments. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. This track reminds you of a forest and reminds me of a cave. I really have no idea why, mm-hmm. but it does. You know, I think I know why. It's all because of what we hear in the beginning. And although the instruments in front of it helps set the mood, that's not it. It's the reverb behind the instrument taking me away. As the track unfolds, a few other instruments come in with a slight reverb, completely dragging my mind away. It's an impressive statement on the sound team's end. And I mean, being able to take people to different places mentally with the same track is an impressive statement, almost showcasing a skill not too many composers have. And like you said, Falcom's got a really, or just, you know, their, their sound team's got a really good way of making instruments like work that I don't think I would ever have said harpsichord or pan flute are nice touches to a track. But stuff like this, I'm like, yeah, this is perfect for this stuff. It's, it's really weird that I enjoy this stuff at all sometimes. I don't think of cool music when I think pan flute, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's also just knowing the instrument, knowing how to utilize the instrument correctly, which really works for them. Obviously they know exactly what they're doing. And you know, the song came out incredible. And with those instruments, it's, you know, besides this stuff we've heard so far, I never heard any good track with a, you know, harpsichord or, or a pan flute or anything like that, you know. This is just, you know, they, they know how to utilize. Yeah, they've got a wide spectrum of stuff to fall back on, and they really know how to just dig in deep into those, like, weird instruments that most people, you know, even you and me, are just like, what the fuck? Why would you use this in a <laughs> in a modern piece of music? And then you get to it, and you're like, oh, oh, that's why, because it's it blends really well if you know what you're doing. <laughs> cool, okay, well, there you go. So it actually does work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's go ahead and let's move on to our next track. And that is going to be Burning Appearance.
Alright, and that was Burning Appearance. And I cannot tell you how many times I had to go and make sure this track was labeled correctly. With the title like Burning Appearance, I'm expecting some of Falcom's signature electronic rock, but instead we get a bit of a pretty uplifting song with some mildly intense moments to it. Don't get me wrong, I dig this one a lot, but boy oh boy I feel like it's mistitled. I mean, <laughs> we kick off with a flute as a lead instrument, and I know Falcom's good at turning expectations on their head when it comes to what can rock, but yeah. Anyway, at about 30 seconds in, we get a bit of a build-up that lifts up the track a bit, pulls back, and then starts to crescendo again. And then about 55 seconds in, it starts to get to this part that I described as mildly intense with good string section taking the lead, throwing some horns in the next section taking the lead, followed by some synth rounding that out. It's a weird track that, on paper, I don't think should work, but I really love the sound on this one. It's another one that I don't think will knock your socks off or anything, but if you're looking to ease someone into Falcon music, this is a good one to start with. It shows a good range of what they're capable of and their sounds and the instruments that they utilize on a semi-regular basis in their tracks. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. Um, and I certainly agree with you when it comes to the song title. <laughs> this wasn't expected at all. Yeah. I've got to say, it, I was expecting a little more. It sort of seemed like the track was finally building up into something I'd really enjoy, but it just kind of ends. It's a decent track, but it should have been a bit longer. Yeah, and I think a lot of it just has to do with expectations because of the name. You hear that, you know, you hear burning appearance, and you're like, oh yeah, this is. There's going to at least be some intensity to it. Um, you know, I'm I'm expecting a little bit more of the like the hard hitting violin or you know hard hitting guitars that they're normally so well known for, and it just kind of like. Oh, you know, kind of in some parts, you're like, okay, that's weird. Anyway, yeah, you know, I like the track, but like I said, with the with a title like that, you know, I was expecting a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, and I think fleshing it out a little bit more, maybe adding those intensity or like intense level sections would have helped out a little bit. Get rid of that stigma in my mind. I want this to hit a little harder just because of the title, and or just you know, just name your titles. Work out your title names a little bit better. I mean, you know, we've 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 talked about a sunbaked throb before, and I'm like, what? What in God's green earth made you think that was a good song title? That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Oh, All right, let's go ahead and move on to something that I feel is a little bit more apropos for its name, and that is Brilliant Escape. So we'll listen to that and come right back.
All right, that was Brilliant Escape. And here's one that's going to border on that sax sound that Dominic and I are not particularly fond of, where it kind of has no direction, but I think it's reined in well enough that it seems to have a direction. It's also not overwhelming, so I'm not too bothered by it. The whole track verges on feeling like it's going off the rails at any moment, but it's got enough structure and instrumentation changes that I think it works, despite how I normally feel about music like this. The piano is what keeps me engaged throughout the track, and I do sort of get a little bit of a fun high sound to it, especially with that wah-wah-wah guitar in the beginning. I just picture Lupin, uh, an anime character, if you're not familiar, Dominic, uh, when I'm listening to this, and I can get over my usual dislike of stuff like this. <laughs> All right, so... Maybe I should clear something up before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Okay, I said I I really dislike freeform jazzy stuff. Well, I enjoy the instrumentation and have a lot of respect for improvising. Uh, what makes me say I really dislike freeform are the vocals. I cannot deal with that. And most of the freeform tracks that I've ever heard of have vocals. In reality, most freeform groups uh, push instrumentation out more than anything. And for some weird ass reason, improv and freeform are two different things in my mind. <laughs> Being a guitarist, you hear of people improvising solos over tracks. When you're used to hearing about that, then someone says, hey, you know, check out this or freeform stuff. And if you're like me, you probably heard something with vocals mixed in. Somehow you end up categorizing freeform d- differently. Yeah. Like I said, I have nothing against the instrumentation. It's just all the stuff that I've heard have vocals and it's just... You know, there's no structure. Yeah, that, <laughs> that shit. is the stuff I cannot stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm sure our listeners couldn't stand me doing it either. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as for the track, I I hear absolutely no freeform influences whatsoever. But because I burned up all my time talking about a whole lot of nothing, uh, let's hear the next track. <laughs> I, actually, I think this sort of gets gets to a good point there. See, when I think freeform, I think I see where you're coming from with the differentiating factor of freeform and improvising a guitar solo. See, when I think an improvised guitar solo in a track, the rest of the stuff is structured, but the guitar solo kind of does its own thing, but stays within that structure where... Whereas like a freeform jazz thing, I'm just thinking kind of instruments sort of trying to blend together and not really doing that great of a job. And you just get the saxophone kind of doing its own thing. The drum is just kind of going <laughs> off in this own tempo that's entirely different than the saxophone. Some bass guitarist or, you know, some stand up bass guitarist kind of sitting there and just blah, 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 blah. And like I said, I always have this like smoky jazz lounge image of like we just did with somebody just, you know, doing the scatting thing of just like, oh God, just put some shit together. It's like, hey, could you guys practice together once in a while? Make sure this sounds good before you go up on stage. No. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. You know, and like I said, as a guitarist, you know, you're correct. Everything behind the guitar is actually structured. I never really, I, for some, somehow I missed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, the guitar is technic- uh, typically improvising over and staying within those boundaries of what's being played. But you know, like I said, you're completely right. Um, freeform jazz, every instrument is kind of on their own, huh? Yeah. That's where mm-hmm. I think it's always bothered me is like, if, See, like in this, it it feels like they're all together doing the, you know, going for the same goal. Occasionally, it sounds like they get off a little, a little bit off track, but mm-hmm. it seems like it's structured well enough that it, it always feels like it's on the verge of going off the rails, but it never quite gets there. And I can, I'm okay with that, but it's when it's, it's just, I'm getting four different sounds from three different instruments and a vocalist, and I'm like, what the, could you, one of you pick a beat and stick to it? <laughs> okay, yeah, now I understand. Yeah. 
Now I get it. Yeah. And like I said, a guitar solo, like you're not going to sit there and go like, you know, start changing like times and tempos and everything like in the middle of a solo that's opposed to the entire track that you're playing along with. You're going to do something that's still structured similarly to the rest of the song, whereas that freeform jazz stuff that I dislike in my head is just very much just four different things doing four different things or five different, however many pieces, just all those pieces doing just whatever the fuck they feel like, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, everybody, you're on your fucking own. Just make noise. Yep, there you go. <laughs> it's like, just flute your flute, man. Just flute your flute. It's all good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, ultimately, like I said, I kind of like this one. It's... It, it, it borders right on the cusp of what I would call that freeform jazz stuff that I just do not like, but it's structured well enough that it still is within those boundaries that I'm like, okay, I can still dig this. I, I like the instrumentation enough and it's structured enough that I'm like, yeah, okay, it, there's there's something there that I enjoy. Yeah, it's definitely enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, as you tried to segue to before, let's go <laughs> get to our other track here. And that is going to be Vantage Masters. And that was Vantage Masters. So, you want a weird track? Well, how about this one that's made for what I think is an in-game card game that takes its title from a tactical RPG Falcom made in 1997 that never left Japan that lets you use characters from a bunch of different Falcom franchises. Yeah. <laughs> so, the track also sounds a bit more like an older school Falcom sound team sound. So, talk about a snake eating its own tail, basically. Don't get me wrong. I love this one. 
but the trivia factor on this thing is going through the roof. It's got some great modern electronic sounds to kick off with. At about 30 seconds in, it starts sounding more like an older Falcom track with the use of different synth sounds. It's a great track with some great instrumentation choices and just flows from one section to another remarkably well. Not intense enough to make my running playlist, frankly, but definitely one of my favorites on this soundtrack overall. Yeah, with the bass like this, I can see why. It's catchy. To me, it seems like a good. To me, it seems like good background noise when you're out and about. I find it easy to stay focused when hearing this track. It's not my favorite, but I like it enough to replay it a few times. I remember seeing the song title, and I was like, "What the? I know that that's an that's an old Falcom game." And sure enough, sure as shit, <laughs> twenty twenty two year old game that never left Japan and is a tactical RPG, and it's just like what. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> that <is all. laughs> yeah. And then I looked into it for the game itself, and I was like, oh, it's like an in-game card battle thing that uses a lot of the stuff from Vantage Master. Okay, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. And then I listened to it, and I'm like, this sounds an awful lot like an old Falcon. It's like, okay, I just, there's way too much going on with this track for me to absorb. <laughs> that's really interesting, though. Yeah, it's... Like I said, it's a weird, it's a weird choice to name something after that, and then... But I don't know. I think it's like a cool hmm. choice to have something that harkens back to an older Falcom game and then also harken back to an older Falcom sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, at least they own the rights to it. Yeah, that's true. At least you're not ripping it off. We're not going to make a Walter <laughs> Murphy's file thing out of this. So anyway, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track. And that is going to be Beyond the Journey, the instru- yeah, instrumental version. Instrumental version of Beyond the Journey. 
Now, I mentioned how much I love the version of this that Megumi Sasaka sang on the last episode. By all logic, based on my musical taste, I should love this one just as much, with the violin taking the place of her vocals. But with Sasaka's vocals, it feels... Or, let me rephrase that. Without Sasaka's vocals, it just feels a little lifeless at times. Again, I love Mizuki Mizutani, Falcom's go-to violinist, but it almost doesn't sound like her on this one. I wish I liked this one more, as I loved Innocent Primeval Breaker, the instrumental version of Rush Out from E7, but this one just didn't quite do it for me. It didn't have that intensity that I've kind of come to know Mizutani for. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's obvious this song was composed with vocals in mind. Therefore, replacing the vocals with any instrument would prove to be almost impossible. Honestly, I didn't think I'd end up saying this, but I totally prefer the other version. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. I, it's just, it's lacking big yeah. time. And it's weird because um, Innocent Primeval Breaker and Rush Out, they both they both sound fine either way. Like, you either listen to Rush Out with uh, Kanako Katera's vocals, or you listen to Innocent Primeval Breaker, which is the instruments, and, like I said, it's arranged a little differently to make up for the lack of the vo- or vocals in it. But that, either one is just a kick-ass track. This one, I'm like, this the, the instrumental version just really sounds like a throwaway. Mm-hmm. Oh, big time. Like I said, it, it it's obvious this song was composed with the vocals in mind. Yeah, it's... A lot of the instruments that they try to sort of make up for the um, the lack of the vocals for, they just it doesn't seem to fit real well. And like I said, it just uh, the the violin just feels too chunky in this one. Like it's lacking a little bit of the finesse that I'm used to from her like harder playing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I said, replacing the vocals with any instrument, it doesn't matter what you want to pick. It, it's just it wouldn't work yeah it wouldn't work <laughs> yeah yeah especially with sasaka's vocals in this thing it, it, her voice is very distinct and i think mm-hmm. i don't think it was possible to really make this one work out unless you rearranged it quite a bit and this is fairly faithful to the original so yeah i mean mm-hmm. the original is really good i like it a lot anyway but yeah i i, I kind of wanted to just bring this out because i was just like well you know we just kind of be a little critical occasionally about these guys yeah that's very true. <laughs> All right. And let's go ahead and let's be done with uh, being critical for this episode. And let's go on to the next track that I'm sure we like. So, and that is going to be Fight Back the Inferiority. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
Alright, and that was Fight Back the Inferiority. This one builds some serious tension. The quick orchestra hits just really smacking the face here. I was almost hoping for it to explode into something, but it never really gets there. Thinking about this track as a piece that needs to build some tension in a section of the game, it's probably spot on. Taken as a piece completely divorced from that context, though, it does seem to be building to something that's never really going to happen. The guitar throughout kept me thinking, okay, now, multiple times, waiting for a full-on explosion <laughs> of like a wailing guitar, powerful percussion, and Mizutani shredding on the violin. I can't fault it for what I wanted it to do, but man, it just felt like they left something on the table when they did this one. Well, it's all about the design, and I really think they did a damn good job maintaining a certain level of tension here. Uh, levels of stress and tension never drop or increase, and I like that. Now, if you're the type of person that likes taking nice, calming strolls through a park and and enjoy background music well, while doing so, this probably won't work out for you all <laughs> yeah, that well. <laughs> yeah, I would say not. Yeah, I just feel this was, I don't know, like I said, I like this one quite a bit, and I just wanted it to, like, you know, crescendo and explode into something and just never did it. And like I said, I can't fault it for what it wasn't supposed to do and fault it for my expectations on what I think is supposed to happen because that's not what it was composed for. I, you know, you, you always have to think like this is a piece of music composed for a video game that it needs to sound and do a certain thing at a certain time. So this is exactly probably what it needs to do, except when you, like I said, take it divorced from the context of the game. It's like, Oh, there's something, Something missing, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I think that's why I'm, you know, listening more f towards the design of it all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, it's a good track, but to me, the design is what makes it a good track. I got you. Yeah. I, like I said, I think it just comes to the differences in like how we approach listening to music maybe a little bit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track. And that is going to be Solid as the Rock of Juno.
man, that was solid as the Rock of Juno. I love the rhythm in this one. The beat laid out by the percussion just keeps this one flowing really well throughout. It's intense with some great instrument choices that all blend together really well. It's not quite the electronic rock feel that a lot of Falcom tracks have, feeling a little bit more like a normal orchestral piece, but the electronic stuff in here I think helps it stand out a bit more. We talked a bit about how some orchestral stuff is a little bit harder for us to really nail down why we like it so much, Missing like a really notable hook, but this thing covers what I think is missing in those instances. It's powerful with some sections being dominant enough to really sink in your brain. It's not quite at the level of Matoy Sakuraba Bombass, but a nice blend between him and Falcom. Yeah, you know, this I like. It's much, much easier for me to understand because I can relate with what's being played a little bit more. Uh, Just more familiar paths musically. I really like the mix between classical and electronic sounds. By that, I mean the leads, which are the horns. Wait. By that, I mean the leads, which are the horns, have have a more classical feel to them and actually go through sections with classical sounding pieces, whereas the the bass and the drums have a more electronic pump to them, ultimately uh, creating an interesting mix that actually works well. Yeah, there's a lot going on with this one that I think really is just... It's, it's a really cool sound, and it does a lot of that stuff that we think we want to talk about with the orchestral stuff, but it doesn't have that hook, and this one has that hook. So it's just like, yeah, okay, cool. It's, it's easier, I think, once you have a hook to kind of lean on, you can pull apart the rest of it, including the or- orchestra yeah including the orchestra stuff, and it makes it a little bit easier to, okay, well, this is doing this here, because there's a hook that you can concentrate on and like, oh, okay, well, this is supplementary to this, doing this, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you know, you're completely right. Um, you know, I've, I've mentioned this eesh, a long, long time ago. <laughs> Those hooks are what I look for when it comes to certain, well, all these tracks. Yeah. And it makes it so much easier for me to like grab onto something and expand on that and talk about other things because of that one hook. It's interesting how it works. But, you know, like orchestral music, most of it, it just keeps going. It, it, to me, it's like never really playing the – they never really play like the same stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's always unfolding. And it's really hard to grab hold of a, of a certain section. Yeah. There's that Avengers theme that when I hear it, I'm like, oh, this is really good. And then as soon as it's over, it is out of my head. And I yeah. – it's – it's weird because it it's catchy and it's kind of hooky if you listen to it, but there's just no definitive, like, here's the part you kind of hum along with or, you know, kind of whistle along with if you're <laughs> listening to it. Whereas this has, has those instances and it makes it a little bit easier to, to really dig into it, which, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it, I, I don't want to say we're never going to cover orchestral stuff because that's, you know, that's not going to be the case, but... It's definitely not going to be what we kind of lean on because that's neither of our level of expertise. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track. And that is going to be Under the Light Shining Sky.
that was Under the Light Shining Sky. And this thing is toning things down a little bit from the last track. It has a good quick tempo to it without being too intense. The piano and violin training places and accompanying each other for the lead instrument really keeps this thing flowing real nice. Right at the 57 second mark after the scaling notes, that little flutter thing the violin does isn't something I think I've heard in Falcom stuff very much, if at all. But I could do with hearing it some more. It feels like a little show-offy thing that, if that's Mizutani, she's more than welcome to do whenever the need hits her as far as I'm concerned. It's hard not to feel a bit more positive when listening to this thing. It's got great instrumentation, and it's just a breezy listen. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way of putting it. It's a breezy track. <laughs> also somewhat uplifting. And I love the piano in this track. It's so damn solid, and it works so well with the violin. Uh, to most people, the violin is up front and leading, but I think the piano is uh, the true star of the show. Man, I really like this one. And believe it or not, this may be my favorite track on the list. Oh, really? out of the whole thing or just this episode? Uh, this episode. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was going to say, wow, wow, that's uh, those are some strong words there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is I a, like the track. I really do, man. Yeah, this is a really good one. I It was one of those ones that like, kind of flipping through. I was like, oh, this isn't really start out like a normal Falcom track that we would cover, you know, a little bit harder hitting or intense. But the more I listened to it, I was like, man, this is really good. We've got to, we've got to talk about this one. Yeah. To me, it's just, it's very catchy. I just, it sits well with me. <laughs> and anything that gives Mizutani a, a, a chance to kind of show off her violin skill, I'm all for. Like I said, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if this is her on there because there is a second violinist that they do use, but she seems to be the go-to and sort of the lead violinist in most things. And man, if this was her, like I said, she is, she's more than welcome to kind of do that show offy shit whenever she wants to. Cause <laughs> that, that woman can play the violin, man. Hell yeah. No joke. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't have any problem with her politics. Like I do with uh, that other violinist that I remembered who it was after <laughs> looking to her. And I was like, Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm definitely not introducing my daughter to you because you, uh, anyway, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, she'll just be uh, listening to uh, Falcom Sound Team, which, like I said, she wants to start learning the violin, which I think is really cool, and I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, Falcom Sound Team stuff. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. My daughter wants to pick up an instrument because of video game music. <laughs> so Dude, that, that is awesome. Uh, that, is, that is possibly the dorkiest thing I think I could ever possibly pass on to a child is, <laughs> hey, you're going to learn a not really cool you know, in a mainstream eye instrument because of video game music, which is not really cool in a mainstream eye either. So yeah, I'm sorry, child. I've ruined your life. Haven't I? Uh, (laughs) Don't look at it that way. (laughs) No, no, definitely not. Uh, All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the last track we're going to cover today. And that is promise of that day.
and that was Promise of That Day. I've got to say, I love this one. It's really just a pretty track. It's got a sense of nostalgia with a twinge of sadness to it. The piano taking us in with some mellow strings in the back really helps sets the mood. As the chimes kick in and we get more of a full sound, it leads really well into the violin taking the reins through the rest of the track. Everything here feels subdued and also strong. It's hard for me to pinpoint exactly the emotion this one invokes, but having two violins going through the majority of this track really sells this one for me. It's not something I'd want to listen to on an endless loop or anything, but it's really (laughs) something I enjoy listening to. You know, don't you just love how complex music can be? Not too many things will twist up your emotions the way music will. This is a good track that speaks for itself. Kind of says, okay guys, I'll speak for myself here. <laughs> you interpret <Excellent>. me how I feel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but in the end, I think it was, it was an excellent way to end this episode. Yeah, we've got a nice little, uh, you know, not necessarily rocking thing to, to end us out here, which is kind of a nice change of pace, I think. I mean, you know, we, we sort of come to expect Falcom. Everything we end up with is, uh, yeah, just something kick-ass and we go from there, you know. But uh, this is kind of nice to go with something a little bit more, still complex, but really has a good just like easy listening feel to it you don't really like oh yeah i'm into this thing it's kind of like oh this is this is pretty i like this yeah and you know the the music itself like the composition it's it's very simple it's basic and i like that but the complexity is within the emotions behind the music you know how how it'll twist certain people up i mean twist everybody up a different way I just, I think that's incredible. And, you know, like I said, it's a very smooth outro. And speaking of smooth outros, let's go ahead and uh, outro this episode, shall we? <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> All right. So we hope you've enjoyed this. This is part three of our four parts. So that means, yes, one more part of this, and then we're done with Falcom for probably a couple months at least. We've got we've to we've cut back on Falcom for a while. So <laughs> we, in the course of our first year, we have done, um, let's see, a total of eight episodes, including the two bonus episodes, uh, dedicated to Falcom Sound Team. So we've definitely got to pull back just a little bit. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just, you know, they're, oh. they're some of my favorites. So it's just kind of like they're they're an easy go to when I want to do something. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, man. Well, I've, I'm enjoying doing them. So it's awesome. All right. And that means as of if you're listening to this today, this comes out as of tomorrow, the fourth part of this and the Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3 will officially be out for sale. So buy the soundtrack. You can buy that already. So if you haven't bought this thing already, just by all means, just go for it, man. It's, I mean, this yeah, is, just a, do it. yeah, it's a great, it's a great, <laughs> great thing to listen to as we're, as we're proving. I mean, we're, we're not even going through, I'd say maybe we're covering like two thirds of this album as a whole. So there's still a lot of good stuff to dig into. This is just sort of the stuff we wanted to highlight as the range of Falcom. So anyway, um, we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, again, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow if you know you're listening to this sequentially, and we'll have more Falcom Sound Team for you. Uh, also, if you're enjoying this, will you please do us a favor? Go to iTunes, go to Google Play, go to wherever you're subscribing to your podcast, and give us a five star rating and review us over there. We'd really appreciate it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Robico Podcast. You can follow me at no, actually, let me spell that out. Robico Podcast is R O W Y C O Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Ariola and Dominic. You follow me at Dominant Shred. All right. And also, if you wanted to back us on Patreon, you get episode or you get these episodes a few days early or even a little bit earlier, depending on how quickly I can get around to editing them. You also will get these episodes in a higher quality bit rate. You will also get a bonus segment on multimedia failure, another podcast I do. And 
you also get a catch-all feed for all the podcasts that are attached to the Games and Junk Network. So if you go to patreon.com slash gamesandjunk, you can kick in five bucks a month, and that'll get you all that stuff, plus a shout-out. And the people I want to shout-out to for donating that $5 a month are Gustav, John, Vanessa, and Alex Messenger. So, um, yeah, anyway, that'll wrap up this episode. I don't want to belabor this point too much more because, man, we have got one more episode to go here. So, yeah, I feel like I've uh, been repeating this uh, this <laughs> pitch a lot more than I normally do. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk at you guys tomorrow. God, that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I knew that groove was in your heart.